This is Lego Football. Ecco, you're with David Farini, part of the Serie A World Feed commentary team. We've got all the latest results from around the grounds with David Winter, the Gore podcast, and we're going to talk Serie B with the guys from La Lanterna. Well, we're going to kick off the roundup with Juventus and Roma. And joining me on the Lego Football podcast is David Winter, part of the English-speaking Serie A commentary team for the World Feed. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, David. A bit of a turnaround for Max Allegri in this one. A really good performance compared to that against Sampdoria. Tell us how you saw this one. It was a match that I think will be remembered predominantly for two things. First of all, of course, the stunning free kick from Dusan Vlahovic after just a couple of minutes. Oh, what a strike that was. Brilliantly hit off the left foot. And we've actually posted an article on the LEGO Football Substack. So make sure you go and see the top five goals of Serie A for match day three. Another wonder goal from devastating Dusan Vlahovic. It's just a cracking strike. I can't do it justice. So go across to Serie A's official YouTube page. Check it out if you haven't seen it. It's a stunning free kick. And really the more... The more I watch Vlahovic, the more I'm excited by his potential ceiling as a footballer because even at 22 years of age, I feel as though his skill set's so complete as a forward it's, it's sort of matched by his work ethic as well. So it's going to be fascinating to see just how he develops over the coming years. The second thing the game will be remembered for is the Paolo Dybala assist really to set up Tammy Abraham for the equalising goal in the second half. Dybala, of course, playing against a club that he represented with such distinction over so many years. It's an acrobatic assist to, to set up the Englishman for his first Serie A goal of the season. Yeah, it had to be Dybala with the assist, didn't it? And uh, great goal from Tammy Abraham. I think in truth, aside from that, it wasn't a great game really. And I think if you've watched a lot of Juve and Roma in the first three games of this season, I think it's difficult to truly make a case for either of them as a title contender. I just don't think they've got the same quality as the two Milanese clubs and indeed Napoli. So I think for them, it's going to be a case of really competing for fourth, fifth, sixth in the table. That's how I see it. Juventus fans will look at it and say, hang on, if you add Chiesa into that, if you have Paul Pogba and Heldi Maria, those three injured players into the starting eleven. It's going to be a different proposition, and that, that's a completely fair point. I think another positive for Juventus would be the performance of Fabio Miretti, the 19-year-old. Great young talent and could be star of the future. Looked really at home in a Juventus shirt, had a bit of that swagger to him as well in the centre of the park. So that was a big positive. For Roma, they'll look at the performance of Tammy Abraham and Dybala, and there were signs that those two were starting to link up. Nemanja Matic played really well as well in, uh, in the centre of midfield, the 34-year-old signs on a free from Manchester United. So it's a point of peace for both sides. They both remain unbeaten after three games in the Serie A season. And uh, yeah, there's lots more to come for both these two teams. And there has to be really if they are to challenge at the summit of the table come, come late May. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Look, plenty of talent in those squads for Juventus and Roma, but it's tough to see them playing better football than an Inter Milan with Lukaku back or with AC Milan. Stunning form from them. And what a goal from Giroud. That's also in that top five Serie A goal of match day three. And we can't thank David Windsor enough for joining us, part of the Serie A English World Feed commentary team. And you can find him on Twitter at David T. Windsor is his Twitter handle. So as David said, we'll direct you over to the Serie A official YouTube page and also the Lega Football Substack, which we've tweeted already today. Go and read that one, all the five goals explained. We'll also have to mention the debut of the former Napoli striker, Arek Milik who made a substitute appearance for Juventus. Some other debuts for round three. Raspadori got half an hour for Napoli. Simeone and Ndombele also with 12 minutes all coming off the bench. Antonin Barak started his first game for Fiorentina after leaving Verona. 
Verona with three debutants against Atalanta Alessandro Cortinovis, Isaac Hien and the Scotsman Josh Doig got a few minutes off the bench as well. Per scores for Torino, their new defender got his first start. Jean Lucumi also for Bologna, another defender joining the Italian top tier. Edison made his debut in Serie A for Atalanta after leaving Salernitana for big money. Marin Pogracic for Lecce, Tyron Ebuehi for Empoli. And those are the Serie A debutants on match day three. We also have a few days to go before the summer transfer deadline. For now, let's take you through some of the other match results from the third turno of Serie A. Well, it kicked off on Friday evening with Monza up against Udinese and Le Sebrette with a 2-1 away win at the Upawa Stadium, also known as the Brianteo. But it was Colpani who scored his debut goal in Serie A. Andrea Colpani, that is, a midfielder who was very important for Stroppa and Monza's plight to get to the top tier. Assist by Caprari. It was Bertu and Udogi with the replies for Andrea Sotil's men. And Udinese shoot up to 11th place on four points. Now Monza still without a point. But I'm sure Silvio Berlusconi is not lost for words with a negative six goal difference. They are in last place on the table. Next up for Monza is a difficult trip away to the Olimpico to play Roma. Udinese hosts Fiorentina. Friday night saw Lazio pull off a stunning win over Inter Milan. 3-1 at the Olimpico in Rome. Felipe Anderson with a 40th minute goal to open the scoring. Replied by Lautaro just after the break with the assist from Denzel Dumfries. But it was Luis Alberto with a super strike in the 75th minute to make it 2-1. The assist from Pedro, Luis Alberto running onto it, perhaps his hit deflected off Nicolo Barella and into the top corner, nothing Mr. Handanovic could have done. No blame for the Inter captain and goalkeeper, but I'm sure plenty of Interista out there disappointed with this result as Pedro rounded it off in the 86th minute. The assist coming from captain Ciro Immobile Lazio, now our equal top of the table. A big win psychologically also for Maurizio Sari, entering seventh spot on six points. Midweek, Lazio go away to Genoa to play Sampdoria and Inter will host Cremonese. They'll be hoping to get back to winning ways against one of the newly promoted sides. Saturday's action got underway with Cremonese entertaining Torino at the Stadio Giovanni Zini in Cremona. We have three new Serie A goal scorers, Nikola Vlasic and Nemanja Radonjic for Torino. They got Toro off to a 2-0 lead. There was daylight until a perfectly hit left footer from Leandro Sednicola for Cremonese in the 80th minute brought it back to 2-1. Not enough for Le Tigre to take a result. Would have been their first result in Serie A for 26 years. But you have to see this goal from Sednicola. It is in the top five of the week. With this result, Torino are joint top of the table. The plus two goal difference, Cremonese languishing with Monza in 19th and 20th places respectively. Next up for Cremonese is that away trip to the Giuseppe Meazza to take on Inter. Torino travels to Bergamo to face Atalanta. And the defending champion, the Rossoneri, they're back to winning ways. Pioli can enjoy a 2-0 win over Sinisha Mihailovic's Bologna side, Rafael Leao, with a 21st-minute opener. The assist from new signing Charles de Quetelere. And then the Brazilian providing for Olivier Giroud in the 58th minute, a deft little assist over the top of possibly the shortest central defender on the planet in Gary Medell. 
Giroud was waiting and across the body volley in which Lucas Skorupski had a zero chance of stopping. A 2-0 win. AC Milan joint top of the table for Bologna. Zero points and they're in 16th place alongside Lecce, Verona and Samp. I'm not sure Bologna were expecting too much from this one. Milan fans can be content. And now Milan will go back to the stadium in which they won it all at the end of last season. They returned to the Mape Stadium in Sassuolo to face the Nero Verdi. Great memories for Rossoneri fans there. That is where they won last season's Scudetto for Bologna. They take on an inform Salernitana at the Stadio Renato Del Ara. And the other game on Saturday night was Spezia hosting Sassuolo. Sassuolo getting off to a good start with a Davide Fratesi header. Then Simone Bastoni with a nice little goal to add to his highlights reel. When he scores them, he makes sure they're absolute screamers. So make sure you see the Simone Bastoni curler. That was on his left foot in the 30th minute. Then Enzola converted a penalty in stoppages of the first half. Andrea Pinamonti with his first goal for the Nero Verdi. That came in the 50th minute. That was the equaliser, the assist from Toljan. So Pinamonti starting his new chapter after leaving Empoli. 20 million euro signing coming across from Inter. And that result keeps Sassuolo and Spezia tied together in 12th and 13th. Places both on negative two goal difference on four points. Next up for the Aquinotti is an away trip to Juventus Stadium. Sassuolo, as I just said, host the defending champion. Sunday kicked off with Verona and Atalanta at the Marcantonio Bentegodi. Only goal coming from Teun Koopminers. The assist from Martin de Rune. That goal coming in the 50th minute of play. And it was in the post-match interview with Coop Miners. There's also a video of Coop Miners attempting to understand an inquisitive semi-bilingual TV report, he could call it. Uh, Theo, about your personal question. At the moment, what is your real status? Are you a top player? Sorry? In questo momento, are you a top player in this moment? In questo momento, sei un grande giocatore, sei un top player. Qual è il tuo status? You can understand the difficulties. Are you a top player? Now. Are you a top player, he's asking. Coop Mine is responding with, no, no, capito, which means, I don't understand. The Atalanta midfielder was bemused, even as the optimistic reporter then switched back to Italian. Coop Miners left dumbfounded, as were the viewers at home. Simply a breakdown in communication. Not the first time it's happened, definitely won't be the last on Italian television. And with Barak leaving, there were three debutants. Cortinova's taking Barak's place in the squad. Isaac Hain and Josh Doy. All for Hellas and Ederson coming off the bench for his debut appearance for the Bergamaschi. Verona hovering one place above the relegation zone. Just on the one point, Atalanta equal top, plus three goal difference, seven points for La Dea. So perhaps some question marks over Gabriele Cioffi's tenure. They'll travel to face Lazio next and Atalanta hosts and the informed Torino side. That's on Thursday. Well, they've been on the end of a few 4-0 defeats, but never has Salenitana won by a margin of four goals to nil since the year 1990. When they defeated Bologna, Salenitana thrashing Sampdoria at the Stadio Recchi. Goals from Dia Bonazzoli, Vilhena, and Botheim. Three new signings amongst the goals. A rampant Salenitana now featuring players like Candreva. Giulio Maggiore is there as well. New signings from La Liga like Vilhena. Dia partnering Bonazzoli up forward. Davide Nicola with an improved side. Sure, they may have lost Simone Verdi, but they brought in players like Valencia and Sambia. 
Pirol is there as well, the young defender that's come over from Inter. Frank Ribéry still out injured. They just simply overpowered a Sampdoria side who had the better of Juventus the week before. Last season, Salernitana could only win by a one-goal margin. Not since the year 1999 in April have they won 4-0. That was against the Rosso Blu of Bologna, and that was thanks to a Marco Di Vaio hat-trick and a goal from Kristic in stoppages. And Marco Di Vaio, of course, leaving Salernitana, ending up with Bologna before retiring. An absolute icon of both sides, and it's so wonderful to see so many great players going across from small clubs to big clubs like Di Vaio did with Parma and Juventus, and then end up with a side like Bologna, one of the legends of the game. See if Salernitana can bring this form to Bologna midweek. Bologna coming off a loss. Salernitana full of confidence. Sampdoria now have to face up to Lazio. It won't get much more difficult for them. And Marco Giampaolo with a lot of decisions to make. They haven't had the best summer transfer window and only a couple of days left to right the wrongs. Sampdoria in the bottom three for now. They have a point though, whereas Cremonese below them and Monza are on zero. Salernitana shoot up to 10th. The best of the teams on four points with a plus three goal difference. It's a different world for us Salernitana supporters right now. The final two games of the round were played on Sunday night. One of them was Lecce up against Empoli. That was at the Stadio Comunale Via del Mare. Fabiano Parisi with his first ever goal in Serie A. Took a deflection on the way in though. But a 22nd minute opener, Gabriel Strefezza. 40th minute equaliser. The assist coming from Banda, who looks to be quality up forward in that three-pronged attack with Cisse. Marco Baroni opting for the two diminutive forwards to give Cisse that support that he needs with Human, Gonzalez and Bistrovic behind. Parisi, the left-back at Empoli, who was linked with sides like Napoli in the summer. They still have Vicario in goal, and he pulled off a couple of wonderful saves in this one. Fetter's goal features amongst the top five goals of Serie A for the match day. The 1-1 draw result sees Empoli go to 14th. Lecce get their first point of the campaign, so they'll be happy with that. Empoli may see this as a missed opportunity, and they'll host Verona next, so a chance to get some points against Hellas. Napoli are hosting Lecce at the Maradona. And on that note, we'll go to the Napoli away game in Florence against Fiorentina. It ended as a nil-all draw, and on the Lega Football podcast this week, we have the host of Rigore, Giancarlo Rinaldi, who's an avid Fiorentina supporter. Here are his thoughts on what went down. I think Fiorentina and Napoli just wanted to make me look ridiculous. I've been predicted a lot of goals. There were no goals at the Artemio Franchi. Um, tight game, very, very tensed up. Fiorentina made a lot of changes after the midweek game with 20. Um, five changes I think whereas Napoli were able to field the team that won the week before um, very cagey first half not many chances Napoli had a goal ruled out for offside and uh, they looked the more likely to score I would say for a lot of the game put forward had a bit more attacking intent and their substitutes definitely made a difference but it was a cagey affair really um, I thought Antonin Barak who signed for Fiorentina during the week had a pretty decent game for his for his debut played the played most of the game so that was encouraging and a word for Sofian Amrabat who's been really a player reborn under Vincenzo Italiano of late um, a lot of Fiorentina fans were disappointed when Lucas Torreira didn't sign in the summer or didn't stay in the summer but um, Amrabat really had a, another cracking game and he's making fans 
regret that less and less. It leaves Serie A really exciting at the top of the table. You know, while other leagues are seeing teams cuffing their opponents 9-0, it's all very cagey in Serie A. We've got, you know, six teams, I think, on, on seven points and another four or five within within touching distance as well. So, you know, whatever you think of the quality of the football, I think you've got to see that it's pretty exciting to watch. It's going to be a good it's going to be a good campaign, I think, in terms of uncertainty if, if, if not the quality. Fiorentina, as I say, on the on Sunday night, he'd probably be happy with a draw at the end of the game, especially after a tough and intense week. But you know the games just keep coming thick and fast in Serie A, and then and then the Conference League too. We word for Venezia too in, in Serie B. Um, my cousin Marco wasn't around to do our podcast, but they managed to snatch a draw late on. So I'm sure he would have been happy if we'd been able to do the the podcast on Sunday night. But I think we're planning to do it on Monday night anyway. That's right. If you want to listen to the Rigore Pod, it's simply at Rigore Pod on Twitter with all the links there, all their platforms. Giancarlo does his own podcast with his cousin, who is a devout Venezia fan. It's a really good pod to listen to, especially if you love to be entertained. To Scozzese Italiani delivering the goods as usual. Thanks to Giancarlo for his thoughts on that match. And Napoli's new trio, Raspadori and Dombele and Simeone, all getting some game time off the bench. Spalletti introducing them to the squad. It was an unchanged 11 for the Partenopei. And Antonin Barak getting a starting debut for La Viola in front of a big home crowd. Onwards and upwards for both sides. Napoli on top of the table, technically with a plus seven goal difference after thrashing Monza and Hellas. Fiorentina still undefeated, but on five points. The upcoming games, Udinese will host Fiorentina, while Napoli will hope to get back to winning ways against Lecce, but the Pugliese full of confidence after getting a result. So we'll see how that pans out midweek. Both of those games will take place on Wednesday. Next up, we'll talk Serie B for a couple of minutes. I would like to introduce you to another podcast called La Lanterna. Of course, it's at La Lanterna Pod on Twitter. This pod dives into the beautiful game scene from the eyes of two fans of the oldest team in Italy, that is Genoa Football and Cricket Club. Joining us are Fabrizio and Matt. They're from the Genoa Club of New York and also from the Genoa Club of Toronto. Genoa with a fantastic start to the season and they continue that with a 1-0 away win over Pisa with a goal from Caleb Ecuban. Here are Fabrizio and Matt's thoughts on the game. Hello everybody, this is Fabrizio and Matt from Antenna Podcast. This uh, was the first win of Genoa since 1925. So 97 years since we broke, we have broken this taboo. As everybody knows, the match has ended 0-1 for Genoa away. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it was like fantastic. It was a very typical Serie B match, I think is how I would say it. Very, very physical, great goal from Ecuban. I think uh, Massimo Coda, the, the assist provider, very fantastic kind of through ball and then a wonderful chip from Ecuban to score it. But other than that, very little to separate the two sides in a very, very, very physical match. Absolutely, I agree with you. I think Blessin has proven that the duo up up front of Ecuban and Cora is working very well. There were no risks from both sides anyways on the first half. And then what do you think about the second half? Well, it was really physical. Again, towards the end of the match, Pisa picked up, a, one of their defenders picked up a second yellow and, and it kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. Uh, with them down to man. I would say, you know, when you look at the 
the breakdown for this one. Martinez, I think, had a decent game in goal for Genoa, although he did nearly spill one, um, which I think we've seen a couple of times. And, and Pisa did get a couple shots on target, but tight, tight performance. It, it looked like maybe Pisa was going to get a goal themselves early in the first half or the second half. Absolutely, you're right. Just to give a little bit more statistics, we see 58% for Pisa and 42 for Genoa. Almost balanced, but a little bit more on the edge for Pisa. And we saw that throughout, especially in the second half. I think that would uh, count towards uh, Pisa. Pisa did a very great game. I don't think they deserve where they are right now. And we see right now, Genoa at seven points, first in the lead, which is not bad. Not bad at all. And not bad at all. I agree with that one, guys. So thanks for joining us on the Pod. That was Matt and Fabrizio from La Lanterna podcast. Make sure you go and check that one out. We'll have the link in the description. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Let's take you through the rest of the Serie B results quickly before we wind up this show. Modena with a big win over Ternana 4-1 at home. Palermo losing at Terenzo Barbera against Ascoli. Cedric Gondo with a match-winning hat-trick for the visitors. Spal with a really good win over Cagliari on Saturday evening. A 1-0 win. And uh, there's an interesting tweet as well from Frances Calcio. You may have seen some of his tweets before. Funny, funny guy, this one. He's got a picture of Joe Tacopina holding his phone and timing the stoppage time as the game is winding down. Sunday's games, Benevento 2, Frosinone 1, Cittadella 1, Venezia 1, Parma 1, Cosenza 0, Perugia with a loss at home against Bari, who are doing really well. A 3-1 win for the Pugliese. Genoa with that away win over Pisa. The 1-0 win. And Regina with a huge win over Sudtirol. 4-0. Just on the back of that game, we've got some news regarding another change of manager at Sudtirol. Following a record-breaking season in 2021-22, Sudtirol had brought in their fourth coach in two months. Lamberto Zali took the reins from Ivan Javucic, who left the Bolzano-based Serie B outfit in June for the Venezia role. That didn't work out as Zali departed before the championship even began. Leandro Greco stepped in before the season started and is now shown the revolving door after just three matches. So it's Pierpaolo Bisoli who's arrived after Super People's Regina whipped the Tirolesi 4-0 in Calabria over the weekend. You may remember Bisoli for his heroic efforts in keeping Cosenza from going down last season as the Lupi overcame Vicenza in that Serie B playout back in May. Bisoli should bring some continuity to this FC Sudtirol team and chairman Gerhard Comper. The Biancorossi going from the Pesce Cane in the small pond, the Shark in the small pond, conceding just nine goals and losing twice under Javocic in 38 games to 0-3 in Serie B. So that's the big news from the Italian second division, also known as Art Due. Final game of the round takes place tonight with Como hosting Brescia. Como getting hold of Patrick Cutrone to add to their squad that features guys like Mancuso and Fabregas. But come on with it all to do. They've started the campaign with two draws. They'll go into this match from 17th place. Brescia have tasted victory. They actually beat FC Sudtirol. So they're in 14th at the moment, both sides with a big chance to climb the table towards that coveted top eight. Ascoli and Genoa lead. They're the two undefeated sides. They're both on seven points. Regina, Frosinone, Cosenza, Bari, Parma and Palermo round out the top eight for now with Pisa, Perugia and Sutirol down in the bottom three places. Top scorers in Serie B, Cedric Gondo with four for the season so far, followed by a whole host of players on two goals apiece. There's too many to name, but those with an assist are Antenucci, Brunori, Kedira and Folorunsho. As for Serie A, the top scorers there... 
It's still Kvitsa Kvaratskhelia for Napoli with three goals and an assist. Dusan Vlaovic joins him after scoring that absolute perla for Juventus against Roma. He's got three goals straight, no assists for him. Then a whole host of players again with two goals. It's early in the season. The fourth round of Serie A will commence on Wednesday. So make sure you stick around, you stretch up again, deep breathe, and we're going to do it all again. To close out the show, we've got one or two more things to talk about. One, well, we have to make mention and give some praise to Roma's Tammy Abraham, not just for his goal-scoring efforts on the field, but he's been flying the multiculturalist flag. Just listen to that level of Italian that he speaks during that post-match press conference following the Juve-Roma 1-1 draw. Make sure you check that one out. We'll finish up with the Pogba family saga, which continues in the Twitterverse. Paul's brother, Matthias, who took to his official Twitter account to add more messages and accusations towards the Juventus star. This is taken off the Football Italia website. If you want to read this one, Matthias shared an article from France Info claiming that the ex-Man United star has informed Italian and French authorities that an organized gang kidnapped him in back in March in France, asking for 13 million euros and stealing 300,000 euros and a credit card from him. Matthias has also shared twice two posts on Instagram on Sunday saying that he was preparing to make explosive revelations about the Juventus star. Pogba's lawyers have confirmed that the France star has already taken legal action against his brother and an organized gang, scary, that has threatened and intimidated him over the past few months, both in France and at Juventus training ground. So that's right up there with the Cristiano Ronaldo sexual misconduct allegations from back in 2018 upon him joining Juventus. Those criminal charges arising from 2009. Those sex allegations against the Portuguese star were dropped. So a bit of drama around the Juventus stadium. If you want to follow us, we're at Lega Football on Twitter. We're also on Facebook now. We do post some stuff to YouTube as well from our podcast. We cut it down and we edit it and we throw it up there. We also write about certain things on the Lego Football Substack. So slowly growing, slowly growing the, the name Lego Football. So thanks for joining us once again. I'm David Farini, your host, Serie A, Serie B, and football commentator. Thanks for joining. Ci sentiamo. This is Lego Football.